everybody. Welcome to Momlytics. I'm your host, Rebecca Sheehan. I am so excited to be back in the studio and getting started on season two and hope everyone had a great summer. So here in the Midwest, the school year starts in the middle of August, which is right around the corner. And I know in some other areas of the country, school has already begun. So with back to school on the minds of many moms and dads, I thought there would be no better topic to kick off this new season of Momletics than prepping for the start of school. And by that, I don't just mean shopping for school supplies and soccer cleats. A lot more goes into prepping our kids and ourselves for the start of the new school year. And even if you're like me and consider yourself somewhat organized, it can still feel like a lot. So I thought it'd be helpful to bring in Jennifer Pepito to show us how we can navigate this transition from summertime to the school year with ease, so that hopefully by the end of this episode, we'll all feel a little less overwhelmed about the upcoming school year so we can focus more on the fun and excitement of it all. You might recognize Jennifer from her previous appearance on Momletics or from her world-renowned homeschool curriculum guides, The Peaceful Press. She's also authored several books on parenting and homeschooling and hosts a podcast called Restoration Home. And she and her family have traveled the world as missionaries in their free time. Jennifer Pepito, thank you so much for being here today to share your wisdom with us. Thanks so much for having me today, Rebecca. This is a wonderful subject, a wonderful topic as we get ready for a new school year. All that preparation really does make such a difference in helping our kids ease into the year instead of this big shock to the system. Absolutely. And so before we get started on all of that, speaking of the summertime, how was your trip to France? I'd love to hear about your missionary work there. It was incredible. I have always dreamed of going to France. I took a trip by myself, which was really intense for me because I'm the mom of seven children. I love being with my kids. Even my adult kids are really close friends. So I went on my own with a group of people I didn't really know well, and we got to speak in a church in France, and we were helping at a retreat center. So it was a really magical trip, and I loved it. It was amazing. Being alone after having seven kids, I feel like if I have one night by myself, it feels eerily quiet. Yeah, and and obviously I wasn't completely alone because I had this this team I was on, but as far as having, you know, there, there does end up being a decent amount of emotional support that even comes from our kids unwittingly as we grow up with them, you know, because as we're raising them, we get to know each other and they are sometimes the people who know you and can read you the best. And so being away from this beautiful team that we've developed was a a different experience. So remind me of their ages again. Yeah. My children are 29, 27, 25, 22, 20, 16, and 14. That is amazing. So you've done the start of school year many, many times by now. And I homeschool, but I still have a process for easing back into the school year because whether you are sending your kids off to school or whether you are homeschooling them, there is still a big adjustment because over the summer, naturally, even if we try to keep up routines, like for me, I do try to keep a family reading aloud time going over the summer and I try to keep a few habits. But even if we try, often we get involved in like a remodeling project or a vacation and all those routines go out the window. And so I have found that it's really important before the school year starts, a couple weeks before, if you have it, a month before, that you just start asking a little bit more of your children. For example, we've started 
working on some math, you know, 20 minutes of math and 20 minutes of writing every day. That way, when school starts back up, it's not going to be such a big adjustment. You know, working on some of those habits in my Peaceful Loot membership group, we've been working on a habit of reading out loud every day, um, having some kind of morning prayer for the moms, and having some kind of connection time with the kids. Just because it is so easy to be all like kind of scattered, kids are off to camp or kids are with their friends. And there's really no routine and your kids forget how to listen to you. They're like, who are you to tell me what to do? You've let me lay around all summer. And now you're going to ask me to like make myself a lunch or get up early or get dressed. Like all of these routines kind of went out the window. And so I really try to ease us back into that as the school year starts. Also, honestly, I'm not a health expert, but I think supplementation and diet are really important for learning. And so if you spent the summer you know, dr like drinking Slurpees or something, or, you know, really not having good nutrition. I think before the school year starts, if you don't want to have your kids constantly going home sick, working on like kind of cleaning up their diet a little bit and checking in with your doctor, your naturopath, maybe they need some supplementation because things like from, for some of my children, not enough magnesium can make them a little bit more irritable. Or, um, you know, maybe they need a little bit more supplementation with some of their, their omega-3s or something like that. So I think that checking in on the diet before you start the school year and starting up some good routines are two just simple tweaks to make you have an easier transition. Well, first, it is very comforting to me to know that your kids get out of their normal routine too. But also, I think it's so interesting, like when I think of kids' diets, especially with our little ones, I usually think of sugar and how crazy it makes them before a crash. But I didn't think about the magnesium and omega-3s and the importance of those. Yeah, we actually took some of my children in for muscle testing with a naturopath. And she said, you guys in your family are so deficient on fish oils. You need to take like 10 to 20 a day to replenish your brain because your brain cells need those fats to be able to function. And so maybe, you know, maybe for another family, it's going to be something different. But I think our modern world, the stress, the diet, often it does deplete us. And so just starting up some of the routines, a little bit more water, maybe some coconut water so you get your electrolytes. Like some of these little small tweaks can really help our children settle into learning because let's face it, six hours sitting down is not child friendly. And it's going to take a little bit of extra support to help them manage that kind of stress. Sleep too, right? I mean, especially with the long days in the summertime, our kids are finally old enough to realize that it's still light when they're going to bed and right. they do not like that. For sure. And, you know, if we want our children to be able to function and learn in a classroom setting, especially, they do need that extra support going in because so many behavior problems are linked to our, our, our physical health, our emotional health, and so if you want your kids to be able to function in a classroom, they really need that extra support, extra rest, et cetera. Switching gears a little bit to the parents now, we're sort of out of our routine too and definitely don't have the peace and quiet that we have during the school year. Do you have any advice for parents on how to recenter, get organized again for the start of school? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I'm a homeschool mom and that means my kids have been home with me 24 seven. But this summer for the first time, uh, all my children had jobs at least some days a week. And I experienced that 
strange experience of having all the kids out of the house and being just responsible for myself during the day. I will not say it was unpleasant, I will have to say. So I do think like for moms, you know, I've seen these articles about, there was one Christian author who used to write about the kids going back to school and just the relief she felt. And, you know, I think that it's important to not convey that to our children because they're sensitive to how we feel about them. And a lot of our emotions surrounding them are taken on by them as identity. So if we are spending our days, oh my gosh, I can't wait till you're back in school. It's not going to make them feel very loved and wanted. Do you know what I mean? So I think change your narrative as you're talking about it. Like maybe you are excited to have time to go to the gym again, or maybe you are excited about quieter days, but make sure you're saying things like, hey, I'm going to miss you. I've loved being with you this summer. You know, say some things that really can edify them and help them to feel confident as they go into the school year. And then also, obviously, yeah, make sure that you're getting the rest you need because we can't be patient and kind to our children if we're carrying all kinds of trauma, if we're not taking care of our physical health. I've been working with a a fitness helper, a naturopath. I did 10 weeks of counseling last winter because there are so many things that as moms, we're carrying with us. And if we don't take time to process that, I, I actually, as a mom, as a woman, I have a very regular uh, schedule kind of, of forgiving people who have offended me, of identifying the emotions I'm feeling and giving them to God. I don't mess around with carrying a bunch of bitterness and ugly emotions around with me. I work really hard at letting go of those of in a, in a biblical way of saying, taking my thoughts captive so that I can be present and joyful with my family. I have a vision of what I want to be remembered as at the end of my life. And I have a vision of what kind of mother I want to be. And it's not a complaining, victimized mother. It's someone who, who I want my kids to remember that I loved what I was doing. But it does take some inner work to maintain that because sometimes it is very hard. That's really incredible. So really taking a little bit of time to soul search before the start of school, instead of scrolling Instagram and looking on the memes of how miserable parenting is. Those bother me for some reason. It's like, we are so fortunate to have children. It's really not that bad. I mean, I know it's frustrating sometimes, but. Yeah, especially you know, when you think about most of the developing world, how so many of them you know, have to, have to work every day. Sometimes our kids are working with them. And, and so many of us are getting to like, at least stay home part of the time with our kids. Uh, you know, so many of us are living in really comfortable houses, whereas the developing world, many of them don't have things like air conditioning or regular heat or even regular water. And so I think perspective is really important. Like if you live in the Western world and you have enough food in your cupboard and you get to parent healthy children, it's, it's, there's a lot to be thankful for right there. And I think thankfulness, like just changing that perspective a little bit and looking at what you have instead of what you don't have can really help us be more present and loving to our children. because. They grow up really fast. Like, I can't believe I have seven kids. I can't believe my youngest is 14 and my, my days of parenting babies is over and gone. It went really fast. And so I think, you know, each season in our children's lives is so precious. And the more we can really validate how precious it is, the more they will feel like precious people and act that way. Because people who feel loved will act more lovable than people who are constantly being perceived and treated as if they are annoyance. I absolutely love that. And when you're talking about forgiveness and how you have a regular practice of that, 
Do you have any advice on this time of year? They've been home a long time, maybe getting a little restless. Maybe we're getting a little restless. They're not listening as much. How can we show them grace and forgive them and just keep that perspective? That's such a good question, Rebecca. And I, I actually have a connection challenge that's a free download. It's available at the link in my Instagram profile, which just has four practices that you can engage in with your children to really help you enjoy them more and help them feel enjoyed. But I also do that forgiveness practice I talked about towards my children. So for instance, if I went to the store with a child and they had a meltdown in the grocery aisle and screamed their heads off and I was embarrassed in the grocery store, thank God nowadays we have home delivery. (laughs) But there was a time when I had children melting down in the target aisles. And so, you know, when we experience that with our children, it can be easy to, to start to build up a little chip on our shoulder, especially if you have one that is maybe a little more difficult. Like sometimes there's one child who's just a little more easily irritated. Maybe they have some sensory issues and it can be easy to get really frustrated and start to have a little attitude towards them and be a little bit less patient and loving towards this one particular child. And so I have a practice of doing that tool of forgiveness towards my children. So for instance, not with them alone in my prayer time when nobody can hear me, I will pray a prayer like this. God, thank you for forgiving me because of your forgiveness. I choose to forgive my child. I forgive you, child, for embarrassing me in the grocery store. I forgive you for being so antagonistic. I forgive you for disobeying. I forgive you for your um, obstinate behavior. Like just anything they have done that has brought discomfort or pain or irritation into my life, I will verbally process with the Lord to be able to release it and release them because I don't want to be carrying around a grudge towards my own child. It's not productive for me or them. How do you do that without letting them get away with it or spoiling them? How do you still teach them a lesson? Right. And and here's the thing. like, If our children are melting down or misbehaving, there's probably been a lack of intentionality on our part in some way. And, and let me, let me explain. Like, you know, if my children had that meltdown in the grocery store, it was probably on a day where we had to sit in the car. We were missionaries at the time. We were sitting in the car for a long time, getting across the border. Then they had to sit and wait for their sister's ballet lesson. Then they had to walk through Costco with us. Like if they were having a meltdown, often it was because we had a very disruptive long day. And so I think, especially when we're dealing with young children, like we do need to train our children. You know, we do need to Um, train them to listen and obey quickly and train them to be calm in, in different kinds of circumstances. But I think a lot of that comes naturally with a consistent, healthy lifestyle. You know, if you as the mom have not asked them to do a thing all summer, have let them pile up tons of belongings where they can't even manage them at all, have been yelling at them to get them to do things for you. Like you, you have a disconnection in your relationship that isn't going to produce obedience or cheerful compliance or even even any care about what you say at all. Like if you've acted in a way that was very laissez-faire to them, they're not going to be very responsive to you. And that's why I, I feel like this connection challenge or some kind of connection is an important place to start if we want our kids to follow our direction, so to speak. But also I think the atmosphere, the environment that you're developing has a lot to do with our children's behavior. You know, if you, if you, if every day as a family, you guys get up, 
You read your Bible, you make your beds. That's just a habit then. And there's not going to be a lot of fighting over it. But if one morning you're like, you let them sleep in and then you scream at them to make their beds. And then the next morning you get up really early and you leave the house and nobody makes their bed. Like if everything's super inconsistent, then don't be surprised if your children don't follow your directions on the days that you actually give them. Because so much of, you know, especially with early childhood uh, compliance or obedience, so much of it is just habit training is just doing the right things over and over. But as moms, if we are constantly amb ambivalent or inconsistent about the expectations, it's really hard for them to come on board. But I do think that connection, like when we are fun and kind with them, they're a lot more likely to want to please us. Like most children want to please their parents. It's only when they feel ignored or uncared for that they start to get a chip and act in a rude way towards us in, in my experience. There really is a lot of pressure to show up every day and keep that routine going, but it's almost like sleep training to me, sleep training a newborn. It's really hard while you're doing it, but the payoff is so great. Totally. And, and my children, like I really enjoy my adult children and my teen children. They are pleasant to be around partly because we've spent so much time working things out together. And so it's, it changes the atmosphere when, you know, yeah, for sure. You have to put in some time at one point to set up a good atmosphere or connect with your children, but it pays off in children who are easier to be around and connected children, like children who have a good parent child attachment are so much less likely to engage in antisocial or criminal behaviors. So, you know, the investment when they're young, look at how many parents are, you know, raising their grandchildren or or dealing with, I mean, you know, I had four different friends lose children to tragedies, young adult men who, who maybe just didn't have enough of that connection early on. And so we're looking for an emotion or looking for a high in some way. And so I think, you know, the, the early childhood investment pays off big in adults and, and teens who are not going to be as dangerous in their behaviors. Connection attachment is so important for brain development. So I know it can feel like, oh my gosh, I have to look my kids in the eyes. Like the connection challenge that we have at the Peaceful Press, it's getting outside every day, looking your children in the eyes every day, giving them a hug every day, and reading a story to them every day. Those four activities will create really strong bonds that can then carry you through a harder time. Or if there's a time where, where you can't be as connected, where you're having to work extra or somebody's in the hospital, if you've made those connections and you've built that bond, it's easier for your children to transition when there is a little bit more difficult time period. And I think too, going back to being frustrated with your children, I mean, as moms, we are just hardwired to unconditionally love our kids. So I can totally imagine if you're frustrated with them for misbehaving in a grocery store, just giving them a 30 second hug or staring into their eyes. I'd forgive them instantly, I think. Right. And, and I think too, thinking about that, like, probably there had been a little bit more eye contact because we're so busy on our phones. Like, thankfully we don't have to go to the grocery store anymore, but then how many hours a day do we spend looking at our phones shopping for the things that we would have gone to the store for? And I think that all of this like screen time, it makes us feel a little bit agitated. Probably if we're on screens, our kids are on screens. And so then everybody's just a little bit more angsty. And then it does maybe take some intentional, like let's put the phones away and just look each other in the eyes or let's play tickle game or, you know, let's play a board game, whatever it is, just having a little bit of connection will go a long way in, in helping your ch children adhere to your values and kind of be a part of your household and your values in a comfortable way instead of all this opposition and defiance.
So it sounds like summer breaks can also lead to a loss of routine, but an opportunity to connect with your kids more. Just curious what you think about the concept of a summer break to begin with, like what it means to have three months off from school. Is that so detrimental to our kids learning or is it a great opportunity for families to do things together both? Yeah, it's it's kind of archaic in a way, you know what I mean? Because the three month summer break was meant for children who worked on farms to be able to go home and help with the harvest. And we've turned it into this like three month high expectation of fun and chaos in a way, like a high expectation of eating ice cream every day and being at the lake every day. And it's awesome to have some fun with our kids over the summer. But I do think it's it's not the easiest on our um, on our routines, because really, when you become an adult, you mostly are going to have to have a healthy routine during the week, you're mostly going to have to get up and go to work or get up and exercise or, you know, some of the routines that we have to do as adults. And yet in childhood, we try to make this big three month artificial break from life. Break from life. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah. So, you know, in our home as homeschoolers, we do try to keep up at least like everybody read your Bibles every day. Um, you know, we make bucket lists, we have habit trackers. I have actually a student planner with a habit tracker in it because I want my children to be thinking towards adulthood. I mean, I love, we've had so many magical memories. We, this week alone, we've gone kayaking, we've gone on a hike, we're going to Yosemite today. So we do lots of uh, fun outdoor things, but I, I also want my children to be thinking about developing a life for themselves and not just being children forever. And so, you know, over the summer, maybe having some goals for a home improvement project you could do together and then celebrate it with a day trip somewhere or, you know, having some routines that you keep going with. I know a lot of homeschoolers actually homeschool year round and then take a longer break during Christmas so they can, when it's winter and it's cozy time, they can, you know, be having some fun there. Or maybe in the spring, they take a break and do some kind of outdoor adventure because summers often are more suited for being indoors half the day anyhow. That's really smart. And you're right, it does sound kind of archaic to have so much time <laughs> off in the summertime. And I've also read, I mean, in terms of academics and learning, I mean, it can take schools up to two months to reteach everything that kids have forgotten over the summer. I mean, that just seems like a total waste of time, doesn't it? Totally. I mean, for people who homeschool, there is a lot of validation in recognizing how much time has to be spent in the beginning of a year for review. And then the end of the year, like wasted time trying to get ready for testing or the summer or whatever. So I think, you know, whether you have your kids in school or you homeschool, keeping up maybe a read aloud every day or some quiet reading time for your kids. And especially for those of you who are listening and your kids go to school in two weeks or a month, just start right now having a daily reading time. You set the timer, everybody sits down and reads for a half hour or maybe a daily math game. You um, sit down and play something like Monopoly where you're going to have to be counting money or um, Right Start Math has some really fun card games that teach math skills. So just work on something that will help you review some of those skills so your children start a little bit more prepared, but also that eases you back into a learning routine. I think kids are actually thirsting for that routine and that intellectual stimulation over the summer. Right. And I think so much of learning is play for young children. A lot of the information that went into developing the Peaceful Press resources came from Montessori in the early years. And in a Montessori classroom, there are a lot of games that are 
um, made for learning. For instance, there's a game called the command game where you just read simple verbs and you act them out. And so like for a beginning reader, as you're easing into the school year, write down some simple one syllable words like jump, run, uh, clap, and then play a game with your children where you guys each read it and act it out or uh, a noun labeling game or room labeling game. So write some of the words that are in your house, like table, bed, chair, lamp, and then have your child read the word and go put it by the thing. So I think there are a lot of ways that learning feels like play to children. I mean, how often do children set up a, a play restaurant or a play school? You know, my kids used to play school and one child would be the teacher, especially children who don't have too much screen time because screen time does diminish our ability to imagine and create our own play. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also, I mean, I love the idea of making reading and all those different activities into fun games. Like I thought, okay, our daughter's going into kindergarten. We really should get her to start reading. So I made all these flashcards of sight words. She really wasn't interested, but then I took them off the little ring and we started creating funny sentences with them. And it was just the best thing in the world to her because she was laughing and interacting and playing with the different words. So it shows just how a little shift and a little creativity can make a big difference, I think. Yeah, that's awesome, Rebecca, that you thought of doing that. Because I think it is true in my in my Peaceful Loop group right now, we have a 30-minute daily play challenge. And that's so hard for us as moms to take time away from our organizing and our cleaning and whatever else we're doing to have playtime with our children. But I think when we think in terms of how can I make the work that we do into play, like the, the, the sight words into playful sentences or you know, we, we have one mom who gardens extensively in our group and she, so we were saying, well, what about pretending you guys are pioneers and you have to harvest your field together? And it's like, you don't hardly have to do anything, but the kids are going to get a lot more excited about picking tomatoes if they're pretending to be pioneers or migrant workers than if they're just being asked to do a chore. So I think anytime we can bring a little bit of play into the things we're asking our children to do, It'll help engage them and get them into it and more involved in the work that is inherent. So let's talk about your summertime curriculums a little bit, because I'm on your email list now, which is great. So I get all the lesson plans, like the ocean, desert, and freshwater guides. Those are so much fun, so interactive. Can you tell me a little bit about your strategy in creating these summer learning guides? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think that learning should be fun, especially in the early years. And so in our peaceful preschool and nourishing nature, kindergarten, homeschool guides, we do have a lot of like a fine motor skill activity because children who can't hold a pencil properly aren't going to be able to type well or compose a long sentence or a long paragraph. Uh, we have large motor skills because so much of brain development is related to our ability to coordinate the right and left sides of our bodies. If you play ball with your child, like you're throwing a beach ball back and forth, and your child can follow that ball with her eyes, she's gonna be a lot more capable at following a line of words to read a sentence. Or if your child can you know, hold a clothespin and pinch it closed and open it, she's gonna have an easier time learning to do any other kinds of handwork, including writing. And so those motor skills aren't naturally developed if a child, especially for children who are on screens a lot, they're not naturally developed, but those motor skills are very important for later academic proficiency. And so we include those in all of our preschool and kindergarten learning guides. 
And I, in my email, I've been going through kind of a how to homeschool series. So families who are thinking about getting started or wondering about it can get some advice on that. And that series is all on my blog as well at the peacefulpress.shop. Just for the record, if you throw a beach ball with your kid, it is helping them read ultimately. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> it's very comforting because I think that there's a lot of guilt associated with just playing with your kids all summer and like, oh my gosh, are they going to forget everything they learn? So it's nice to know that by doing these activities, you actually are still working on their cognitive development. For sure. Yeah. Everything we do with our children, whether it's eye contact, whether it's reading aloud to them, whether it's even organizing their toys with them, all of those are skills that build critical thinking. Like even, even for instance, if you sit down with your child and you sort out a toy bin and you're like, okay, the, the dolls go in here and the blocks go in here, that categorizing skill just looks like you're organizing the toys helps them later on when they are doing a research paper and they're trying to figure out which information goes into which paragraph. So yeah, everything that we do with our children does develop their ability to learn. And so I think don't discount the play and the engagement that you have with your children, because all of that is helping them develop in a healthy way. So engagement over TV sounds obvious, but I love how you're saying it really does make a difference. Yes. So starting to wrap up a little bit, I know, as we discussed earlier, a lot of parents are so relieved when school starts again because they have their free time. But I always sort of get a pang because we've made so many great memories this summer and I love the long days and the warm weather. So as the days get shorter and cooler, do you have any advice on how we can prolong the joys of summer throughout the year or at least into September and October in terms of traditions we share and the family time we've had just to make sure that doesn't all go out the window shuttling kids to after school activities? Yeah, I for sure am a big proponent of advocating for your children in the classroom because more academics doesn't necessarily result in better skills later on. For instance, there were there was a study done of children who learned to read early compared to children who learned to read late. And the later readers by junior high all were at the same pace, at the same level. And so I think if you have to fight a little bit to get less homework, or if you have to sit there and do the homework with your children, whatever you can do to make sure that school doesn't erode your family life, if you work at that and then maybe keep extracurricular activities to just once or twice a week so that you can actually still have some family dinners or go to or carve pumpkins or have hot apple cider together. Like there are so many wonderful things to do in the fall, identifying leaves or taking a nature walk. And if you let homework erode all of your family life and extracurricular activities, then there is no time for that connection. And, you know, ultimately we lose as we miss out on enjoying our children because they, like I said, they do grow up so fast. We only have this short window to really bond with them and enjoy them. And that bonding and enjoyment results in more mature and healthy adults. And so I think, you know, being an advocate for your child and keeping an eye on like, is this too much for them? Like, how are they handling this load of work? Is it making, you know, behavior problems are often a sign of stress. And so kind of keeping an eye on how how your child is managing the workload and then advocating for them in the classroom. Yeah. It's kind of sad to think about your kid being at school all day long for those who don't homeschool and then them being shut up in their room for two or three hours doing homework when they get home and 
you barely get to see them. So I right. think that's, those are great suggestions. So what are your favorite activities to do with your kids? I know you just published a new cookbook. So I assume cooking is one of them. Yeah. And for sure, way at the top of the list for us is time outside. I mean, because I do run an online business, I have to be on my screen and it's not life-giving. And so we live kind of semi in the mountains. And so in 30 minutes, I can be up at, uh, you know, up at a mountain lake. And in an hour, I can be at a pass like 7,000 feet. And so as often as we can year round, we're out hiking or walking or just enjoying nature in some way. Obviously, you've, you know, followed me enough to know that we love to travel. And so whether it's a day trip or a road trip or going to another country, we love spending time in nature, traveling. And then um, we are strong believers in Jesus. And so if we have an opportunity to go to a worship night or go to a conference, things like that, we'll, we'll add that in as well. Especially as my children get older, corporate gatherings or group gatherings with small children can feel very counterproductive because often we're not able to sit in or anything anyhow. So uh, that's something that we're adding in as my kids get older. So I'm definitely feeling less overwhelmed after talking to you about all this. Like maybe our summer vacation wasn't all a waste of time in terms of cognitive development and they're not so behind academically. So thank you so much, Jennifer. Oh, I'm so, I'm so happy to have this chance. I mean, everything our kids do so often the things that they choose to do, especially when screens are put aside, is actually good for their development. You know, whether they're playing at the beach or making up a story or building a, a blanket fort, so many of the things they do are building their their skills that they need for life. And so I don't think we should ever discount our children's play and the, the efficacy it has for helping them develop, uh, especially when we when we diminish the role. I mean, I know screens are so convenient and having some time like while you're making dinner those busy times of day where they watch a show is awesome but having it be you know i think it's become too great a poor portion of our children's days especially on vacation because we're like i don't know what to do with these kids but if we just put the screens away we have so many people in our peaceful loop group who just are you know really diminish the role of screens and then their children do have the opportunity to engage in the play that is so good for their brain. So I'm sure your kids learned a lot this summer, Rebecca, and will go back to school even more bright and developed than they were last year. Well, thank you so much, Jennifer. Again, I really appreciate your time. And thank you all so much for joining us on Momletics today. I'm your host, Rebecca Sheehan. We will see you next time.